You're listening to Exploring Boys Education, a monthly podcast produced by the International Boys Schools Coalition. I'm Bruce Collins. In this episode, we consider sustaining staff and faculty well-being in schools, a topic we've heard is front of mind for many teachers and leaders in member schools. In a recent report from UK-based organisation Education Support, many education professionals report that their mental health has declined during the global pandemic, with many citing increases in workload, concerns for their own and their pupils' mental health, and poor work-life balance as the causes. Education Support's recommendations to schools include prioritising a culture of well-being, reducing stigma, looking after school leadership, and supporting school, staff, and faculty. A key finding from the 2021 State of the U.S. Teacher Survey is that a much higher proportion of teachers reported frequent job-related stress and symptoms of depression than the general adult population. Education Week also reports that in one study, University of British Columbia researchers tracked the levels of stress hormones of more than 400 elementary students in different classes. They found teachers who reported higher levels of burnout had students with higher levels of the stress hormone cortisol each morning, suggesting classroom tensions could be contagious. Amy Roberts and Helen Kim suggest that well-being is much more than the absence of illness or stress, or even feeling content. It is about teachers flourishing more holistically. Narrowly defining well-being as the absence of stress or the presence of a positive mood leads to equally narrow and short-sighted approaches to supporting well-being. We end up treating the symptom, for example, teacher stress, instead of identifying and fixing root causes, such as the social, cultural and historical influences. Roberts and Kim further suggest that it is about more than just the individual teacher. A broader focus is needed when it comes to teacher well-being. It is against this backdrop that we speak with Andrew Cowley, Healthy Toolkit co-founder and author of The Wellbeing Toolkit. But before we hear from Andrew, I'm delighted to be joined by my colleague and IBSC Interim Executive Director, Amy Ahart, for the IBSC Newsreel. Thank you, Bruce, and hello, listeners. In this last IBSC Newsreel of the year, we're looking ahead to 2022. At the end of January, we'll be partnering with Shimmy Kang and St. George's School in Canada on a two-part online program focused on the mental health and well-being of younger boys. We host session one on January 25th and session two a week later on February 1st. In mid-February, the first in our series focused on research in boys' schools will launch on our IBSC Shorts platform. St. Christopher's School in the United States will be sharing about how they, through their Center for the Study of Boys, have developed a school-based research program that enhances their understanding of best practice in the education of boys. We also encourage you to watch for new IBSC Ideas Lab offerings, which will be advertised in 2022. The Ideas Lab programs we've been running since 2020 have proven to be very popular and fill up quickly. Heads of member schools in South Africa can sign up now for an Ideas Lab designed specifically for heads of school and principals. We also have a third Ideas Lab for teachers of color coming up in February, registration for which will open soon. Visit our website for details of these and other great programs at www.theibsc.org. 
As we head into the holidays, enjoy some time off and keep an eye out for new IBSC programs in 2022. We're here to support you and your work with boys. Our very best to each of you for a happy holiday season and a great start to the new year. Back to you, Bruce, as you speak with Andrew Cowley about the importance of staff and faculty well-being in schools. With me for this episode is Andrew Cowley, a former deputy head teacher in London and author of the Wellbeing Toolkit, which is an invaluable resource for promoting well-being and resilience among all school staff, thereby providing uh, or improving staff attendance and retention and helping all teachers fall back in love with teaching. More recently, Andrew also released the Wellbeing Curriculum, which is the ultimate guide to help primary schools develop a practical, principled and values-driven well-being curriculum for their students. Andrew is also the co-founder of Healthy Toolkit, an organization dedicated to encouraging and advancing teacher well-being. Andrew, I'm delighted to be speaking with you about this important topic um, in this episode. Welcome to Exploring Boys Education. Thank you very much, Bruce, and uh, thank you very much for inviting me on to your uh, your broadcast today. I'm, I'm delighted to be here and to and to share uh, some of my thoughts about um, about well-being and uh, and the ways forward. Andrew, before we dive into the topic per se, I'd really like to explore the work you do because, um, in many ways, um, what it seems you're passionate about is something I'm passionate about, and I know many of our listeners are passionate about. And I'm interested to to hear from where your passion for teacher and pupil well-being comes. And so maybe just give us an, an introduction into what you do as co-founder of Healthy Toolkit. Well, Healthy Toolkit came about um, through social media. A um, group of us who uh, were talking generally about um, the teachers being well and enabling that, uh, that to happen. And... Um, we connected uh, two of us initially, uh, uh, and then we had uh, two others we we linked together, such so as Matt, Maria, Helen, and myself. Um, we founded uh, Healthy Toolkit because we wanted to take well-being beyond self-care, uh, because self-care is absolutely important. But what we realised in the positions we were in, so I was deputy head, my uh, Maria and Helen were, were uh, teachers in senior positions and um, Matt was a school governor, we realised that teachers need to be enabled to have that self-care. Uh, so we were thinking very much about principles and strategy which would enable that to happen uh, because not just in the UK but, but worldwide, the um, the, the strains and stresses upon teachers and what they're expected to do in terms of assessments and care for pupils is having so much more to, to them uh, that if they didn't have the ability to take their own time for their own self-care, then we would have teacher burnout. So that, that's where my, the, my passion came from. And Healthy Toolkit began that way just over five years ago now. And it's, uh, it's a Twitter account uh, and, uh, and a blog account as well. And there's... Uh, nearly 10,000 followers of the, the Twitter account, and we've written close to 100 blogs uh, down the years, more in its uh, in the initial three years of it, because um, yeah, the, the, my writing has gone in other directions, so I haven't had quite so much time for, for, uh, for blogging, but uh, the principles are there, and we, we dip into it every so often. 
Andrew, you know, for a, for a deep dive into your thoughts on teacher well-being, I know listeners can read the well-being toolkits and I'd encourage them to, to find that. It's, it's on Amazon and other platforms and I'll link to it in the episode notes. But I'd like us to focus on some of the important things leaders and teachers need to be considering as they prioritize the well-being of school staff. And let's start, I think, like we're encouraged to do by Simon Sinek with the why. Um, in your mind, why is it important for us to be talking about and focusing on well-being in schools and the well-being of staff and faculty in particular? Um, well, the why, particularly in, uh, in the UK, is highlighted every November by um, the Education Support Partnership, who uh, published their Teacher Wellbeing Index. Uh, and it uh, answers pretty much the same sort of questions every year. One of the most interesting stats is that over 77% of teachers interviewed are, are reporting very high levels of stress. For senior leaders, that figure is in the 90s. Also, we've got in excess of 54% of teachers seriously considering leaving the profession because of the stress and anxiety that they're under. That's more, more than half our workforce. And for leaders, that number is even higher. The question is, what are we going to do to replace those people if they go? And that's a difficult question to answer because the other uh, thing to bear in mind is that for new teachers who come along, the dropout rate in the first five years, and actually indeed in the first three years, is very high. It's estimated that half half teachers go in the first five years. And um, there's been several occasions during the course of my career where I've noticed that the staff were all either over the age of 40 or under the age of 25, and you didn't have that middle ground, that, that fertile middle ground, which are your potential future leaders, but your potential current middle leaders who are going to learn in that way. So what was happening was that teachers under the age of 25 were suddenly finding themselves in leadership positions when they weren't ready and without the model that they needed and finding themselves either under stress or taking upon habits which they might have seen from elsewhere which weren't the best habits that might not have endeared them to colleagues in terms of perhaps the way that they were monitoring uh, each other and, uh, and speaking with each other, um, but also leading them, leading them to burnout. So that, that's very much the why. The why is because we do in the UK, and I'm sure this is replicated worldwide, we do have a crisis of recruitment and retention. So it seems important to me then, Andrew, that when we start thinking about well-being in schools, that we consider a holistic approach. And so how might we start thinking about that holistic approach to well-being? When we're thinking holistic, thinking whole school, thinking everyone and, and, and every day, uh, the starting point has got to come from, from senior leadership, um, not necessarily from the head, but certainly somebody within the senior leadership team who's actually got a dedication to to pushing that forward. And holistic means very much avoiding myths about well-being. And one of the myths is that well-being is just about self-care. Now, self-care is important if you're looking after yourself, but it needs to be enabled in schools. Now, what um, we often hear is schools are offering a well-being day in September 
for their teachers. So it might be at the start of the year. Um, realistically, it's probably not a well-being day. It's probably a team building day, which uh, if you have a nicer, nice late summer day in uh, perhaps an outdoor pursuit centre, having a bit of a bit of CPD inside, and then spending the afternoon doing some um, doing some climbing or uh, some team building activities. That's it's a great way of getting everyone together, but it's not really addressing the well-being because if you come to um, you come to a cold day in December, a couple of weeks before Christmas, if you've got end of term assessments to, to get done, to, to get fed into the computer system, alongside the pressures of, of Christmas, coupled with certainly in the UK, colder weather, darker nights, uh, times where people are getting flu and colds, uh, that, that's a stressful time. So what use is that day in September when you're under stress in December and, and other points in the year? Um, another example could be that schools that do the offers of mindfulness and meditation, um, but sometimes they're not so often. Sometimes it's it's seen as compulsory. Uh, again, that's an extra extra stress. Uh, one example I heard of was one that was offering it at half past four on a Friday afternoon. And now most teachers I want to know at half past four on a Friday afternoon are either sitting in their room getting all their marking done, uh, so they're not having to take it home for the weekend, or have left already because they've got. Uh, family and other commitments, and they will work at home. Um, so that wasn't wasn't suitable either. Uh, and the, the final one I'll say is the um, which isn't holistic is the uh, is the offer of cakes on a staff room table, which is yeah, it's a kind thing to do at the end of the week, uh, which you've uh, been very busy, perhaps if you had an inspection. Uh, yeah, it's a kind thing to do, but the, what I often say to that model is. Well, what about those teachers who are on break duty and miss out on a cake? What about those teachers who have a food intolerance and can't eat it? Um, what about those teachers who are working through their break time and their lunch time when they get there, there's nothing left? Are we considering their well-being in that? So it's it goes beyond simply being kind, because being kind and being nice, there's nothing wrong with that. They're, they're admirable human quality. But in dealing with a large organisation, you've got to think, more than kindness, because a holistic approach means embracing every opportunity. Uh, really, it's about being strategic. You mentioned senior leaders and their role in this. And um, on the back of what you've just shared then, what, what are some of the principles that those senior leaders might consider as they determine their approach to staff well-being? Yeah, uh, principles are, are, are very much like values, they, everyone has their own. But there's very much some common ones that could be shared by everyone. Uh, I think one important one is, is to have the principle of courage, and, and that courage means to be able to stand up to say what is right and what is wrong and, and what is not acceptable in certain behaviours and expectations within a workplace. So you might have the courage to stand up to somebody who is being uh, unpleasant or unkind to somebody in, in one particular way. You might have the courage as a leader to challenge uh, an observation that a teacher has handed in of another member of staff, particularly if it's been inconsistent with things that you've done in the past. Um, I think it's also very important to have uh, a principle of, of, of celebration uh, knowing when to to thank and acknowledge uh, members of staff 
for their contribution to what they, they've done. And I don't mean simply reserving that till the end of term, end of term staff meeting. My experience in my earlier teaching was that the only thank you we got was at the end of term. But that was accompanied by this was wrong, this was wrong, this was wrong, which made the, made the thank you meaningless. Um, to actually have a genuine thank, uh, to genuinely thank and acknowledge people during the course of the week, even just an interaction in a corridor, small things like that, which can actually help tip the balance towards a positive culture within a school. Um, empathy is absolutely crucial. Um, as teachers, we are told when we're training, get to know your class. You know what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are, what their safeguarding issues are, what their family situations are. If you're doing that with your, your class, as a senior leader, you need to do that with your staff as well. Uh, if, you, if your conversations are purely about work, then you have no relationship in, in the school. If you have the ability to talk to somebody, if you know the name of their spouse, their children, where they've been on holiday, what their interests are, do they have a cat or a dog? They may seem minor things in the broader picture of, of, of a school, but they're actually about relations because they give you a conversation point and they give you a point into talking to somebody. Because if you run an open door policy as a school, but you don't have a policy where you know your staff and your open door is just to come in and talk about school things, what is someone to do if they're in a genuinely stressful position? What are they going to do if they perhaps have had marital breakdown or they've got parental illness. Uh, you've got to have that empathy there to enable your staff to open up to you and to share with you. It's all about building a team. Um, successful teams rely on every single person to perform in it. Uh, you look at the, the least successful sporting teams when there's a sort of maverick individual who doesn't time with the team spirit. That can, that can drag the team down. But you think about the most successful, um, even those who might have the most skillful individuals within it, it's the combination of the team forged by the empathy of the, the leadership, the coaching structure, the captain, and everyone buying in to the same principles that helps everyone together. And I think the final principle, and it's not really principle as such, it's, um, it's being a respecter of time. Uh, time is our most precious resource as teachers and the most important thing is you don't waste it because when when time is wasted with pointless meetings, pointless tasks, things that don't actually improve the quality of the children's education, which is after all our raison d'etre, if that time is wasted, then the time that we should be spending on ourselves isn't going to be there and that's going to lead to burnout. I love your analogy of the team and and how important it is to to create that that team where everyone has a has a place and leaders are empathetic. And my understanding is, and this probably connects with this, my understanding is that creating a positive school culture is crucially important in underpinning the well-being in staff and faculty. In your experience, what is the connection between positive school culture and the well-being of staff? Cultures need to be grown. They can't. They can't be built. A school. A school building can be built, uh, and then it becomes relatively permanent and unchanging, apart from perhaps a few aesthetic things. 
uh, a cult culture takes a time. Uh, and again, I've used another uh, another analogy here about um, sowing seeds. Uh, if you if you sow grass seeds and they they fall on the path, they're going to get eaten up by the birds. If if you put them and they fall down gaps in between the stones, they're not going to to germinate. If you put them down and dig them in properly and water them and nurture them, then they will grow. It will take time. There will be challenges, uh, and it is cyclical because you will need to do more work the following year. But that, that, that's where a culture comes from. Uh, and one of the crucial things with culture is it, it ties in with relationships. And um, former British Prime Minister David Cameron, before he was um, in, in power, spoke very powerfully at um, Zubal Geigeist Conference. The crux of his, his, his argument was about uh, the nature of well-being and about uh, the beauty of our surroundings. It's the crucial statement was it was about culture and relationships. Uh, and really that's at the heart of what we do in, in any school. Without the relationships being formed, then we, we, we have no culture. Without the culture, there are no relationships. Basically, you're talking in culture relationships about the systems in your school and the people in your school and making those two work together. Andrew, I'm, I'm very interested to to also speak about this idea of of colleagues supporting each other. We've spoken about senior leadership, but I I would suggest or, or think that that colleagues have a role to play as well. And so, how might colleagues in schools think about their role in creating a positive school culture, and how might they support the well being of their fellow members of staff? Yeah, it's an interesting question. What I've, uh, I've I've often thought about is uh, with something like well-being, um, it can't be done as a as a top-down model because pretty much if you're imposing something upon somebody, it's something they have to do, um, and particularly, say in recent years, there's been so many changes in education, there isn't always an understanding of why it's happening. So the why, some the science in it, but the why was important. Um, but likewise, I think also doing a, a bottom-up model of well-being is also a challenge because well-being might be considered a, a challenge to the leadership. Uh, I know that the, some of the unions in the UK have been very challenging about uh, leadership well-being to well, leadership well-being attitudes. So the, the model I always think is important is what I, I call sideways in. So rather than top-down, bottom-up, a sideways in model, which actually gets the buy-in from everyone. Once you've got the culture there, once you've seen leadership has said well-being matters, and it, it matters because we're going to do these certain things, we're going to have these principles, we're going to listen to you, it's important, again, not just it's, it's imposed, but perhaps to have um, uh, a well-being committee, uh, which actually anyone can be part of, to, to feed in genuine concerns, because I think one worry of senior leaders is just a, it's just a mouthpiece for critics. It shouldn't be. It should be about genuine concerns and solutions to issues. So in that way, everyone can feed in to, uh, to things. But also, if we've got a genuine team spirit there, what, um, what will happen is that people will look out for each other. Teachers naturally uh, buddy up. Um, what I've seen down the years is when a couple of new 
newly qualified teachers arrive at the same time they won't know each other before, but they actually form bonds which become lifelong friendships. Uh, sometimes when you've got more senior uh, members of staff who come along, they will they will meet and, and bond with with other people of, of, of similar age and interest. And it's important to have those bonds that you recognise you can look out for each other. Um, and particularly if you're new to a school, if you're someone who show, shows that shows that awareness and that empathy for other people, uh, as well as being able to do your job, that actually sets you in a in a position where you're respected quite quickly. Uh, it's always quite challenging moving into a new position, um, and sometimes something moving in can create a bit of, a bit of suspicion in, in the role of doing, particularly they're moving into a school as a head or a deputy. But actually showing that empathetic approach straight away actually helps break down a lot of barriers and show that you are someone who can be trusted and can work can be worked with. Andrew, we have we have limited time on this podcast, <laughs> and I think we could probably go on for so much longer in terms of of, of trying to unpack what this means in schools. Um, but I wondered for people listening to this conversation, uh, what avenues exist for them to engage more with your work? take a deeper dive into understanding the importance of, of well-being of staff and faculty in school spaces? Because I know you do have resources available um, for, uh, for for teachers and leaders in schools. Well, thank you. So I've got, as you said before, I've, I'm published twice over with the Wellbeing Toolkit, which is about staff well-being, and then more recently the Wellbeing Curriculum, which is um, proposing ways of looking after children's well-being uh, in, in schools, which uh, goes beyond mental health and actually looks more deeply into issues such as children's attitude about the environment, about their own personal safety, uh, e-safety and cyberbullying and, and building opportunities to be good leaders in the future. Uh, so you can find more stuff there. Um, you can find me on Twitter uh, at Andrew underscore Cowley 23. It's my personal account and at Healthy Toolkit, which is myself and, and my colleagues who I mentioned earlier. I'm starting to work as a keynote speaker. Uh, and I'm going to start producing some online content uh, in the very near future through, uh, I'm working with uh, EduSpark, who are based in Singapore, but uh, operate worldwide. So uh, I hope to start having some content coming out uh, coming out there. Well, thank you for that, Andrew. It certainly has been wonderful to speak to you and to gain your insight. I want to thank you for your time, especially it's a Saturday that we're recording this, and I'm grateful for you for you making the opportunity available for me to to speak to you. Um, I've really enjoyed uh, hearing from you, and I'm sure our listeners are going to benefit from hearing what you've shared. So thank you very much. It's my pleasure, Bruce. Thank you for, very much for inviting me along, and uh, may I wish yourself and all your all your listeners uh, a very happy Christmas and a successful 2022. Certainly much to consider as we head into the holidays, with our Southern Hemisphere members enjoying their summer vacation time and Northern Hemisphere schools enjoying a shorter but also well-deserved winter break. This episode is our last for 2021 and we'll be back with more in January. As we face renewed fears and global challenges because of the Omicron variant, it's wonderful to know that as educators of boys worldwide, we can remain connected with other IBSC colleagues through various programs and opportunities. Remember, we are here to support your work with boys. We wish you all a happy holidays and a wonderful new year. Until 2022, keep safe and well.